Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm not Travis. Oh, no. Wait, hold on. Where's Travis? Uh, Travis is, uh, he did like a Fer- Ferris Bueller or something. Travis. Can't, can't find him. His hands were Travis. clammy or something. And he just, <sighs> his wife said he could stay home today. I don't know. Uh, he, got a, he got a note from his parents. <laughs> right. <laughs> and are, are you George? I am, yeah. Hey, George. <laughs> I, yeah, I am. Well, we're flying without Travis tonight. We're doing a little bit of a uh, last-minute audible. Uh, we were going to wait on heat until Travis gets back because we can't talk about right. Michael the man-man uh, without Travis. So we right. circled back and explored some of the influences that were used by Nolan and company for Batman Begins. So. Mm-hmm. Tonight, George watched Batman Year One mm-hmm. because he doesn't read books. So we uh, we watched the movie, and then we also <laughs> watched two episodes of the animated series, uh, the Demon's Quest episodes one and two. Yes, parts one and two. That is, yeah. So let's start with Year One, George. Yeah, we made you watch an animated movie that's essentially mm-hmm. a direct-to-video release. So. Not mm-hmm. exactly uh, theater quality, but uh, interesting. Tell me your yeah. initial impressions. It was, uh, I mean, it was what I expected. What you know, did you expect? Like a, Tell me more. A, like, basically, when you told me what it was, I looked it up, and I'm like, okay, it's an hour and five minutes, like, animated movie. Right? Yeah. So, I'm like, okay, it's going to be like an episode of the cartoon but you know a little longer and you know maybe we'll go into some some different things and and it did it was basically exactly like i thought it would be there was lots of um like like corny one-liners you know what i mean like that you would expect from a batman comic show you know i guess that's fair without me being insulted yeah that's fine i can allow that no not in a bad way it's just you know it's some one-liners whatever they're in there um it was uh it was interesting the the characters didn't didn't really uh reflect how i pictured the characters especially um uh lieutenant was his face uh flash the hell's the, the lieutenant's name gordon yeah gordon he was a lieutenant in the. He was what you call a it? lieutenant in, in this. He was a sergeant in Batman Begins, but got promoted right. to lieutenant by right. the end of it. Right. Right. But in year one, he starts as a lieutenant. And he was like, not at all my Lieutenant Gordon that I picture in my head. But it's okay. What was different uh, with this Gordon? What, what are you missing in this Gordon that you were expecting? Um. He was like, I don't know. He was like way more muscly, and like, like manly, and kind of like, I don't know. Like it, it and like there was like actual like physical fights. Like Gordon actually physically fought somebody, which never happened in like the movies that I've seen. You know, begins and uh, 
Yeah, it is kind of hard to imagine Pat Hingle in the first Batman movie, like straight karate chopping a dude. Yeah, like he's a martial arts dude. You know, in in year one, he he you know shows someone another another police officer who's boss, and this other police officer is like retired Navy SEAL or something like that, or Green Beret, something like that. He's like, oh, it's been a while since I had to do this. And I'm like, bro, you did this before? I'm like, yeah, it's oh, okay. really, that's an interesting line that I, when you're reading the book, at least if it's in the book verbatim, I, I don't know. That never stood yeah. out to me. But the way it's presented in the movie, it's just, it's real loaded with like, you know, wow, this guy, was he an MP, right? Uh, right. Why is he fighting Green Berets? Like, oh, interesting. It really, yeah. it's a very loaded quote. And then it's never explored again and left to your imagination. Actually, there's a lot of that too. Also, year one was loaded with villains for no reason. <laughs> Does I that think, make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, it's supposed they, to be a, a highly populated, densely populated uh, criminal underworld, right? So they just, they got to give yeah, you the sure, impression yeah. that it's just crawling with bad guys. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I recognized so many bad guys, but none of them really had, like, the plot didn't turn in any direction towards any of them you know yeah it's tricky like they were all just there the arc of the story has nothing to do with any of the villains really right right it's and in a lot of ways they do that in batman begins i mean you could look at batman begins and the entire gotham plot the plot to destroy gotham as one big MacGuffin, right this thing that gets passed around to distract you while the plot happens it's like the money in psycho right like it looks like it'll be the plot it ought to be the plot but it's not yep. the plot, it's just a distraction. And so with the Bruce arc in both of these, but especially in Begins, this whole giant, almost like a comic book you know, style caper where they're going to destroy Gotham, uh, it's just like window dressing on the actual story. It's right. interesting. Very weird. Kind of ballsy. Yeah, I'd say. I will yeah. say, though, going back to Batman Begins, I loved at the time... Feeling like, okay, they've built me this grounded reality where everything is kind of grim, dark, and rough, and like nobody's being too cartoony. And then yep. they still manage like the big cartoony bad guy event at the end, which I did not think that they could pull off in that context. So it's impressive. I mean, it's really similar to the Batman mean, 89 plot, the plot the, to destroy Gotham, the Ra's al Ghul, um, like the train scene the train scene but also just the giant plot to poison the water supply and make everybody go crazy at once that just seems like a kind of like an 89 with the uh Mm -hmm. the chemicals you know it's very much like that cartoony like one bad guy james bond villain gonna destroy an entire city but they did it like grounded never thought that if you told me ahead of time if you told me in your elevator pitch christopher nolan that you would be able to do that I would say, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. <laughs> but then he, he did it. I agree. So good yeah, for I him. This has none of that. Year one has no end of the world scenario. It's now, just two dudes. I, I really, and credit to Nolan. I mean, obviously he's, he's an, an incredible director. But like hats off to him for like really developing the reason why Bruce Wayne chooses the bat, you know? Yeah. Like, dude, in year one, I'll just like go into it. 
he's sitting in a room, Bruce Wayne, looking at a bust of his dead father. And he's like talking to his father as if he's there, but he's not. And then, you know, a bat flies in through the glass window, lands on it. It's like this nasty looking bat. And it's like, okay, that's why he's Batman. Contrast that with the Nolan. Right. You know, he's playing, he falls in a well. You know, the whole swarm of bat, hundreds, thousands of bats. Like, you know, boom. And then, like, that is the thing in his life that it, that's his bad dream. That's his nightmare. It sticks with him, blah, 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 blah. And then there's a little bit of this in year one, but also Nolan really, really hits home that you have to become fear, right? In order to be effective. Yeah. Batman has to be fear. No, not that they have to fear him. He has to take on, like, that's his persona. He has to become fear. That makes sense? Yeah. No, I think and so. Yeah. That's why he chooses the bat. That's why he chooses the bat. That's what he is really afraid of. Wait, wherein begins when he opens that chest and whatever, you know, you open that chest at Ra's al Ghul's uh, compound. Whatever you're afraid of is, is what comes out of that chest. And for him, it was a swarm of bats. And for you, it'd be like commitment to a single guitar. Ah, ah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Holy mackerel! Now you mentioned James Gordon being uh, musclier than you remembered. Yeah. Are you yep. familiar with the works of Frank Miller, the guy that wrote this book? Am I? Have you heard of Frank Miller? No. He might not be really, the no. single most important Batman writer since 1980. Okay. Like, he's the guy who, he wrote a book that was released as a miniseries, and now you can get it as a trade paperback, called The Dark Knight Returns. And uh, the Tumblr comes from that book. I mean, you could argue that a bunch of stuff from those movies come come from the ideas that he put forth in that book, which sees an aged Batman come back from retirement for one last go-around with the Joker and Superman. And it's very much stylistically influential on everything they've done since from Batman 89, very heavily influences Batman 89, even up through uh, justice league and Batman versus Superman. The look of Batman in those movies is Frank Miller's Batman. Okay. Hulking, muscly, old, grumpy, grimdark, always talking in internal monologues, you know, very, And the, I mean, you get that in uh, year one too, where it's just, I mean, the first four pages of the book, if I remember right, is all just like that in a box, like narration, internal narration, as opposed to like mm-hmm. any kind of actual dialogue happening. And it's all just like raspy voiced, angry guy, too much crime, gonna punch bad, you know, right? real yeah. growly. And that's kind of Frank Miller's thing. If you've ever seen the movie Sin City. I have actually. Believe it or not. I, I'm glad that you've seen it. He wrote those books. Okay. That's him. So it's the guy that did Sin City before he did Sin City. He did Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, both of which are like the strongest canon to support the Nolan movies. Okay. Yeah. So you're dealing cool. with some like, you know, New Testament Batman here. I like it. Very important. Good stuff. But... I will say, like, the the Batman voice actor in year one doesn't have the gravitas that he needs. Yeah. 
I don't like his voice. I don't like his Batman yeah. voice. I don't like his Bruce Wayne voice. And I don't like his reading scary things in his Grimnar voice. Like, there's just nothing there. It's real bad. Yeah. Like, hi, I'm Batman. And uh, I guess I'm going to have to punch this guy because I'm mad at him. Like, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're only casting Batman, yeah. right? Okay. They, they, come on, guys. Come on. Also, the whole plot with, like, throwing a baby off a bridge, I don't love that. I, I'm not a big fan. I don't know about you. I don't like movies where babies and children are put into peril just for the sake of the plot. Mm. You know? We're not doing anything here except making them, you know, an object for the hero to save, right? And I, I don't like those as much. Like, I was fine with the... The weird Rambo movie we watched at Christmas, Deadly Games. Because it's like this kid mm-hmm. is like the hero of the story and can hold his own and is saving the day actively, right? He's not just right. a victim to be passed from bad guy to bad guy and then chucked off a bridge. <laughs> like, yeah. Kind of like, uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's kind of what Nolan did with Katie Holmes in Batman Begins. Like, I don't know that he really developed her character as strongly as he did everybody else in the movie. To where by the end, she is just kind of like this bag of money to be passed from Bruce Wayne back to Gordon. Put a shot in her and she'll be fine. You know? Yeah. She didn't get a lot to do in that movie. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I kind of go back and forth because, like you said, Katie Holmes was, you know, the person that... Bruce Wayne cared about, right? So right. she's obviously a target if you're if you're targeting Bruce Wayne. Same thing here, Gordon's baby son, like if you're targeting Gordon, his wife, his son, they're like they are who you target if you want to get his attention. If you want to make him do something, you target his family. So, I get it and it's it's very effective, you know, like that's that's why everyone fears the mob. That's why everyone fears, you know, Kaiser Soze cuz you know, he he doesn't just kill you. He kills your family and your kids and he, you know, castrates your uncle and you're like, what the fuck? Why? Like, you don't you have know, it's to a, do this. They all say that. Right. That's a, it's a device, right? So, like, just because it's a baby, it's like, well, it is what he really cares about. So, you know. It's true. I think of, I think of Brad Pitt, you know, in Seven, like, you know, it's basically the same thing, but a little different. Well, you know, it's tricky because, yeah, this is obviously someone he would care about, his own child, very right. going to care about the child. But you can't write a baby as a character in any way other than just like a, an object. Whereas, you know, he's Barbara gets targeted in this and she holds her own and she grows and yep. she, you know, she has like an arc there. So it's more than just she bit, is. Yeah. But you just can't do that with a baby, and so that's probably one of the reasons I don't really care for it in movies and books and stuff, because it's like, you know, we're not going to go anywhere except this baby being the sad object. Kind of like in the movie we talked about the other day, where as soon as somebody's announced as pregnant, you're like, oh, here we go. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Just, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. I know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah, you really, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I when I watched that scene with the baby on the bridge, I'm like, you know, like eh, Batman's right there. It's gonna be fine. You know, yeah, that's just you know George 
that's George. That's not movie watcher. That's just me. I'm like, eh, baby's gonna be fine. I do really like the um the I'm revealing myself as Batman to you and you're realizing that I'm Batman, but we're both gonna pretend like we don't know what's going on here. Yes. I always like that in these things. This is a mm-hmm. particularly good one. Yes. It's just a shame the Batman voice isn't better. But what can you do? Yep. So it's an hour and five minutes. It saved you from reading a book. You should still read the book. I have no problem reading books. I just, usually I don't do them in the course of like an hour and five minutes. I peeked at, well, this is pretty short. You might be able to knock this one out pretty quick. Okay. Uh, The Killing Joke, I noticed they've got the animated feature of that on HBO Max right now. Do not watch that. Uh, Read that book. They don't have the guts to make that into a movie. So oh, okay. what they made the killing inferior to the killing joke, super short, read it in a, less than an hour, probably. But okay. like, that is the one, that's the book that turned Travis into what he is today. Okay. And I told you there's, they've only ever approached that Joker in one Batman movie ever. And it was actually an unofficial parody of the dark Knight. So, <laughs> okay. uh, best Joker they've put to screen and you'll never get to see it. It's a shame. Okay. So, uh, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, did you watch this at all as a kid? It seemed familiar, but I don't think so. I think it, I think it seemed familiar because it seems like every other um, cartoon that I watched. Because I, I definitely watched a little bit of like Batman Beyond. Never really cared for it, to be honest with you. Um, and I watched you know, a lot of s- some Spider-Man. And my daughter is watching Spider-Man right now, which I think is cool. Yeah. But um, it had that, like, that motif, you know, the way, the way all these comic cartoons were. So it seems really familiar, but I don't think I've ever watched it for real. Well, a couple of points of interest. Uh, I would argue that this one is the one that set the formula for all those shows. So okay. uh, there were superhero sh- shows before the animated series. But they never took it as seriously uh, for the source material and just as a mm-hmm. final product as this show did. The animated series is canon in most ways. And you really, yeah. most of the time these shows, like X-Men was good, Spider-Man's good. They would do some plots and stuff from the comic books, but you weren't seeing them add a lot to the character that would stick around in other media. Whereas this uh, show introduces Harley Quinn, who's a major character now. I mean, shoot, a lot of it was written by Paul Denny, who's like one of the best comic writers of the 90s. So, I mean, you got really good folks making the show. They did it in some interesting ways. If you notice, it's very dark. Uh, They would start with a black cell instead of a white cell and work their way to add color. So just like inherently, they didn't have to add anything to make it dark. And so it just kind of stayed dark, which is kind of a cool thing. Uh, That is cool. Batman Beyond, you mentioned watching, uh, was a sequel show to this, obviously. Same uh, guy doing the voice of Bruce in Batman Beyond. Okay. Uh, Kevin Conroy, who uh, still does the voice of Batman in all the video games, for the most part. Like, all the top-tier Batman Arkham games are still that same voice. And so, okay. when you look at year one, you're just like, man, it's not necessarily that he's a bad Batman. It's just it's that just he, not, he's not Kevin Conroy, not. who is the voice of Batman. Yeah. So, yeah. It's okay. 
So we talked about it during the Batman Begins episode that Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, had only really been around since the late 70s, so he was kind of a newer villain. He had a couple of really good arcs in the comics, but it was the TV show that really made him like a mainstream character. Like every kid born in the late 80s knows Ra's al Ghul because of this show. When he popped up in Batman Begins, the only reason he was even slated for a movie that big is because of what the animated series brought to his character and to right. his regard with the fans. So Makes t- sense. Take, yeah. me through, take me through these episodes. We can just talk about a one arc. Uh, Robin's been kidnapped. Tono, uh, mm-hmm. is this our first Robin appearance on the show? I think so. I think so. No, well, we watched a tiny, tiny bit of the 60s Batman. Oh, yes. Movie, which, you know, once you got past the, like, once you get to the shark repellent, like, You've pretty much seen the whole movie. So. Oh, take that back. At that point. I, I mean, love you, that movie. I mean, that sets the tone for the whole movie, yeah. does it not? I, I mean, mean, yeah. If you, yeah. Shark repellent, yeah. bat spray. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, um, I guess second appearance of Robin. So a little more serious. Uh, he doesn't have much to do yeah. here, but uh, become the, the thing that gets passed around from bad guy to bad guy. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know... He's the Katie Holmes of the... Uh, he is the Katie Holmes of the animated of series these, at this point. These two episodes, yeah. But you get to see the most important things. Uh, you get to see their Lazarus pits and how those work. Mm-hmm. You yep. get to see frail uh, Mr. Burns, Ra's al Ghul, turn into mm-hmm. like homicidal maniac Ra's al Ghul, which is a fun transition mm-hmm. for a kid's show. Until his daughter slaps him and then he's back to normal again. Yeah, and you get to meet Talia al Ghul, who you could probably tell from this uh, episode, she appeared in one other episode earlier in the show, but mm-hmm. we weren't really talking about Talia so much, so I had just skipped that one, but uh, they did like a big tease at the end of that episode that Ra's al Ghul was watching the whole time, ha 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 ha, you know, lots of yeah. laughing to end an episode and to go to commercial break. Yeah. Very, I mean, that's a kid's show, I guess. In the 90s. Yeah. Are you, let me ask you this. Now that you've seen what the comics proposed of him and you've mm-hmm. seen what they did with it in Batman Begins, do you see why half of us knew it was him from the beginning because of the facial hair? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes, definitely. But like, you didn't know it for sure because they're already reinventing all these things and the Batmobile's a tank now. So maybe, maybe Roz, Raish, Raish, Roz, is going to be this other guy that's dead. Oh, I mean, they, they did a good job moving moving the cards around so that you didn't know exactly what they were doing, but... Yeah, I mean, I can't... I mean, I can't really comment on it because I didn't see Batman Begins knowing who Raish al Ghul was or Raj al Ghul. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I would have thought. I hope I would have thought, yeah, that's definitely going to be him, but I don't know. I don't know if they gave you enough information to go on. You know, I, I would imagine, yeah. and I, I, I couldn't know, but I could guess that, you know, a critical movie watcher who wasn't familiar with these characters might look at this and go, oh, that's an interesting decision to do, you know? Whereas the nerds were like, oh, they did it. They really did it. Like, we thought they weren't going to do it, but now they did it. You know, it's like a trick more on the people that knew than yeah. on the people that didn't know. Yeah. Ballsy, man. And now I can, now I, now I understand why it's so 
it was so difficult for you to explain to me whether, um, like whether Ra's al Ghul was one person or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like in, it's different. I mean, it's, it's, it's legitimately in, in begins that I guess that they don't really tell you, but I think they allude to that, you know, Ra's al Ghul is like just the leader of this group of people that have been around for thousands of years. And it's not necessarily always, um, what's that actor's name? Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson. It's not, uh, t- in the movie, begins, Liam Neeson is Ra's al Ghul. Liam Neeson isn't always Ra's al Ghul. He won't always be Ra's al Ghul. He wasn't always Ra's al Ghul, technically, because the movie doesn't really address it. So if we're talking real life situation, no Lazarus pits, he could just be a placeholder. Right. He's yeah, right? he's he's an office holder. He's been elected exactly. <laughs> president exactly. of the League of Shadows. Right, exactly. Now in and in and this is completely different in the, the animated series, he literally like has been alive for a thousand years, is what they made it seem like. Yeah, he was rubbing elbows with Napoleon. Right. It, Napoleon once told me blah blah blah. It's funny because I was watching I watched a part of this with uh with my wife. And she's trying to predict what's going to happen, and she's like, "I think it, you know, I forget. I even forget what she said." And um, and I'm like, "No, I think uh, I think what they're gonna what they're gonna reveal here is that um, Ra's al Ghul has been alive for a thousand years." And she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think that's what they're talking about with the pits, because like you told me about it, and I I was like, I don't know." And I'm like, I'm watching it, and it's like all coming together. Everything that you told me last week, I was like, "Okay, this is it." This is okay. I'm I'm gonna see it. This is the history of it. And she's like, No, that's crazy. And I'm like, No, that's what's gonna be. And then like it happens right in front of her eyes and she's like, Oh, okay. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and that's the thing is I think that they did a good job in the begins movie of, of making sure that they like followed their P's and Q's well enough that a first time viewer unfamiliar with the characters would say, Yes, this move holds water. Right? Yep. But then for the nerds, they're just like, oh, yeah, there's that realism grounded nonsense. Like, we're not doing Lazarus pits in this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, they d- see, that's why that's why I liked Begins so much to be yeah, to begin with. I I had seen that movie when it came out and I thought it was incredible then. And actually, the more I watched it, the less incredible I thought it was. But for different reasons. But when I first watched it, I thought it was incredible. And the reason what the what really stood out to me was this superhero has no superpowers. This dude just has like uh, more money than God and an incredible will to do what he wants to do. Yeah, he's just obsessed. And everything and everything in the movie, nothing is too far fetched to have happened in real life. I mean. I guess some of it is, but it didn't feel like that when I was watching it. You know, like you like you said earlier, the plot to poison the water and do all this stuff. It's like, you know, if Nolan told you he was going to do that and he was going to make it feel like it could really happen, you'd be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, let me, did let me see your dailies. <laughs> yeah, they, they did need that. To know. They made it seem, every villain seemed like it could be a real person that that really villainized that way. You know? And even in the next even in the next one, Dark Knight, where the villains get 
a little bit more uh what's the word i should uh i don't know how do how do you describe it uh, escalated <laughs> yeah like flashy you know uh theatrical theatrical is a you good know? way to put they it they get more they get more theatrical but it's still uh, it still hits a certain way you know it still hits real you know especially not not so much joker but especially two-face like two-face hits hard in the next movie like definitely definitely could be a real person for sure but i saw an article this week on one of those like throw crap up and clickbait people into hitting it just to get like you know uh yeah not not a journalism uh, outlet, but one of those kind of middle-of-the-road garbage sites. You mm-hmm. know, ten things you don't know about the Dark Knight, or nine things you, top nine things you'd never know, you know. Yeah, I was like, yeah, sure. And so yeah. I was like, okay. Or maybe it was influential movies. You know, nine movies that influenced the Dark Knight. And I went, oh, no. Right before we do <laughs> these episodes, is someone finally <laughs> going to realize what they're looking at? No. They missed the point again. And so okay, I'm good. just like, okay. When we get to the Dark Knight, I'm gonna uh, Travis is gonna lose his mind when we get to the yeah. Italian influences, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> He's just gonna be like, no, nah, you know, it's gonna be like a Wilhelm scream. It's just all you're gonna get yeah. from him, and that's okay, Travis. I'm excited for you to be in on that discussion. Yeah, I I'm kind of in a place where like, you show me these things of like where things came from, their their Italian roots and. You know, there's always the question, is it stolen? Is it borrowed? Is it homage? Like, is it okay? Is it not okay? And I'm like, I don't really, I mean, I don't want to say I don't really care, but like, I kind of feel like every time I watch the two things side by side, I'm just like, okay, well, yeah, it was Italian first, but Hollywood did it way better. Like, I always feel that way. And maybe it's just because like Hollywood to me is like home. You know, like, and well, I'm not just, I'm and there's not always to... more money involved. Even stuff like Halloween right. is right. made. Maybe f- it's just not fair for so much know? more money than the Italian movies were at the time. So, yeah, it's tricky. Maybe... And I had to go back and forth too because, you know, there are, there are great examples of filmmakers like Christopher Nolan who they take liberally from things that are in the zeitgeist, right? They borrow from old sources where you're supposed to know this stuff. And so when yeah. they do big, big swings to bring in, uh, like Dark Knight Rises is based on a tale of two cities. And they said mm-hmm. that from before the movie was released in interviews. They'd be like, oh yeah, we're doing a tale, tale of two cities, but we're doing it with Batman and Bane. And so right. if you know that going in and you're familiar with the source material, there's a scene in which you're like, oh, we're going to get a whiff of grape shot. Cool. Like mm. history, but it's not stealing, right? That's history. It's right. a, it's public domain stuff. Like it's all good. That's on the level. Yeah. That's that's good. I and it's another thing too with Batman movies because you have so much canon that there that is owned by DC Comics. So they can say, "Hey, we're going to do this movie, but let's reach back and do this thing out of the comics that we did back in the 40s cuz this little bitty bit worked. So let's just sprinkle that in for the nerds." Right? And that's yeah. fan service, but it also can help contribute to the character and it can bring attention to old Sources that need more attention by a modern audience. Right. The difference is sometimes when these filmmakers steal, they do so and then they cover their tracks. 
and that's a problem. Mm, you know, that's gotcha. the deal. When I when I talked to a certain person, was like, "Hey, when did you see this movie?" And they were like, "Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> oh I never saw that movie until way later." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, oh, come on, bro." But like, you you stole all his stuff, and then you named a character Lindsay. <laughs> Which had to, to Travis. I never even realized that till later, but God dang. The girl's name is Lindsay. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Travis, for pointing that out. <sighs> but anyway, hopefully it doesn't get to that level, right? Because Christopher Nolan, right. I'm going to put him up there with Kubrick as far as like quality of attention to detail and able to, you know, uh, basically overcome all the obstacles that would normally scuttle anybody else's movie and just make, you know, pretty much a hundred percent awesome movie for the most part. Yeah. And so I don't know if we're ever going to see a filmmaker like him ever touch a, a property like Batman again, but my God, what if we did? Yeah. When they were making dark Knight rises and they were, uh, now I don't know about you, George, but I was in Dark Knight Rises. I don't know if you were. I was not. Uh, but I was aware that you were in it, though. It came at a time we didn't have kids yet, and my wife was working a ton, and I was working a regular amount. And so I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time researching that movie before it came out. And uh, by the time, by the time I, I had finished the bit where I was an extra, I knew 90% of the plot of that movie. I had a yeah. couple of questions, you know, I was like, are they going to do, huh? are they going to do who, huh? you know, is this yeah. guy going to turn out to be who, huh? or is this guy going to turn out to be who, huh? right? Right. But other than those couple of things, like that movie, I knew everything that was going to happen. And I think it still has ruined it for me because every time I go back to revisit, I'm like, ah, you know, they should have done it this other way. Also, this movie's too long. Should have mm. been three different movies, whatever. Uh, so the thing is, uh, I've stopped doing that. I, I, the new Batman movie is coming out. I watched one trailer a long time ago to make sure it looked decent. And mm-hmm. I've been blinders ever since because I want to go in and, and let the movie have a chance to impress me. Um, right. I say all that to say this. When I was doing the research for Dark Knight Rises, uh, there is a bit that, that basically they were using CGI to create pits in the ground for like containment of people we didn't know it at the time though we just saw pictures of giant green screen on the ground in the shape of pits and i okay i was like holy shit they're doing lazarus pits because there's already rumors <laughs> that liam neeson was coming back and i was like oh my right. god what a twist if you have this you know very grounded beginning and then you swing around to the back and holy crap they do it they pull it off nolan can t- and then they just didn't yeah Huh. But for a minute there, that, we all thought we were getting Lazarus pits. That damn internet. Ah, jerks. Makes you think all kinds of things. Yeah, it just gives you hope in places you don't need it. It is kind of interesting to think about whether Liam Neeson's Ra's al Ghul was in some ways like training Batman to be his replacement but never said it, you know? Because, I mean, you get that obviously from the cartoon. Uh, quite a bit, you know. Uh, you know, the Lazarus pits aren't hitting like they used to, and I've got to find an heir. And right, girls can't be in charge, so I've got to find a dude. Like that part's a little tricky. Right. Uh, but yep. it's interesting to think that, like, yeah, you could say, given how quickly Bruce rises through the ranks, 
if he performs well, you know, he could be in line to be the next Ra's al Ghul. And he just threw that aside. I mean, I, that's the way I interpreted it when I first saw the movie. Begins. Like, that was definitely how I interpreted it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I could see it. Uh, you could also, you know, because they're going to destroy his town, he's like perfectly placed to be a patsy. Right. If something mm-hmm. goes wrong, you know, just shove him out in front of the cameras and be like, I don't know why this guy came back from the dead and then killed his own city, but here he is. But it, I mean, in some ways, I know that I know that the League of Shadows was trying to sh- to destroy Gotham. But why? You know, it was because it had become so bad. It was beyond it saving. It was beyond saving. But if you don't destroy it and you do save it, both methods are saving technically, right? Quote unquote, saving it, destroying it to save it, or just saving it to save it. It's like the same thing, right? Well, it's the difference between taking Liam Neeson to the hospital and reviving him versus shooting him in the face and fighting a new Ra's al Ghul, right? You're still saving Ra's al Ghul, but you had to kill a guy to do it. What if Batman, okay, Bruce Wayne, in denying becoming the next Ra's al Ghul and the leader of the League of Shadows, actually just becomes the new League of Shadows, run a completely different way? So you're saying, like, take over the Enterprise and then, like, rebrand? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously he didn't, but... You know, Ra's al Ghul, in trying to groom him to be, groomed him to be what would save Gotham, unknowingly. I mean, it'd be cool. There's a uh, thing I've always liked. It depends on which interpretation of the Thomas Wayne, the dad, you're getting in the... Because every, you know, every comic kind of picks and chooses which version of canon it's working with, which gives you a lot of flexibility, but it it becomes mm-hmm. hard to talk about things without a lot of qualifiers. but. Right. There's a really good graphic novel called Kingdom Come, which is like apocryphal, not within canon. Superman chilling with aliens, chilling with Batman, into the world kind of stuff. Lots of religious allusion to. Really good book. But uh, toward the end of the book, for uh, spoilers for anybody that's going to read Kingdom Come, and you should because it's good. Uh, but spoilers for that book. Batman changes his like uniform and symbol from black to white but with a red bat and like basically stops trying to fight bad guys and instead tries to help people and his dad is a doctor right so it's like he gets away from this quest to avenge his father and instead he like uses his resources of his own as batman to like further the efforts of his father the doctor so so he's like the red cross but it's like the red bat i was just thinking that it's just it sounds like the red cross he becomes you know the red bat instead which is cool but they don't really go into like how that actually helps you know and by that point he's old but I, i just always thought that was nice to like stop worrying about avenging your dead father, is, and instead to true. work toward his goals when he was alive. 
I I like it. it. Makes perfect sense. Makes more sense than yeah, the way Rises ended. But yeah. Well, you know, he was not wearing hockey pads. No, sir. Oh man, I really wanted to love Rises, but we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> once we yeah cross a few other bridges, right. Now, Batman does some actual detective work in the animated series, but it feels Mm -hmm. very much like, you know, that kind of detective work I don't like in movies where they just tell you the answer and then tell you, like, some really obscure way they knew the answer. Yep. Because you can't play along. It's no fun. It's very Sherlock Holmes. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Really? You thought Sherlock Holmes? I thought Scooby-Doo. Well, I, the the movie Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. is what I was thinking of, not the actual oh, okay, text. Okay, yeah. But you know, just this yeah. like you know little montage clip of all these things coming together in his head, and then him telling you the answer, and it's like, well, there was no way for me to guess. Why am I even watching this movie? You could just tell me the answer at the end of the movie. Right. It was no deep red. I'll tell you that. Deep red keeps <laughs> you guessing the whole time. Yeah. But at least you get to see why. Travis and I were sad that Liam Neeson never gets to call Batman detective. Right. I always find it weird in these shows, especially the ones that are targeted at kids, where older men are trying to, like, marry off their daughters. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not handling it like... If it was, like, an old-timey, like, European cartoon for kids like i'm trying to imagine any situation where they would do this but you know where it's like oh we need you to marry my daughter for this political reason you could sell that to a kid and they'd be like yeah princes and princesses okay but on this show and a lot of shows like it it's like my daughter's pretty hot right (laughs) it's it's really creepy it doesn't very weird i i can't think of a way to fix it but i i I don't want to give it a lot of thought tbh but yeah, yeah at least we'll never have to worry about Talia popping up again on this show. No? No. I mean, maybe. Spoiler alert for Dark Knight Rises. But... I enjoyed Talia. Not gonna lie. There you go. Rock and roll, man. Megan was annoyed that her shirt kept changing. <laughs> for continuity's sake, you mean? Like, oh, yeah, it's... Through, yeah, through the episode, they're like, she was wearing the shirt that had like a hole in it, like, so it like a basically like a little window to the cleavage. It was a boob vent. Yeah, it's like a heat yeah, sink. Yeah, exactly. And, From what I and understand was, of having breasts, it's like a heat sink on a computer. You've got to get some airflow right. in there. Correct. And it was just changing size through the whole uh through the whole cartoon. And that annoyed her. <laughs> and she didn't want to join us tonight to be a third voice as to the quality of the cartoon. Yeah, she uh I asked her and, and she said, I don't know what I would uh what I would add except for that she enjoyed the scene. Uh when Gordon's son was born. She's she wasn't even in the room, but she heard the audio and the line goes something like this. Uh you you hear a door open, it's like uh Lieutenant, you know, your baby was born. It's a boy, your wife is fine, and that's like the end of the scene. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> Wow, that was like she's like, I can tell that he's not in the room. Like, this is very, like, old school. And, like, it's just, your baby is born. It's a boy. Your wife is fine. And that is, like, all you need to know. May your first child be a masculine child. Right. 
And then she said the baby was just crying in every scene that the baby was in for the rest of the show. I mean, like I said, what are you going to do with the baby? They cry, they get kidnapped. That's it. That's all the baby can do. Right. You're right. All right. Well, we're going to jump headlong into our next movie, one of the major influences on how Christopher Nolan made The Dark Knight. Now, uh, we may be having a guest, and uh, I hope you're excited to explore a Stanley Kubrick movie Mm. called The Killing. Mm. with a good friend of the show. So we look forward to seeing you here uh, next week, sir. All right. Well, I'll be here. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Boom. (laughs) We didn't even practice that. Good job, man. No, we didn't. It's just in us. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at remedialfilmpod. And heck, you can even email us remedialfilmpod at gmail.com. We'll see you here back next week with a visit from Dix Handley in The Killing. That cartoon is pretty good. Like, it's dark enough that, like, I waited until the kids were probably like five before I showed them anything, just in case something scared them. Mm-hmm. But like, even my daughter is just like, oh, I want to watch more Batman. She got to watch the one with Clayface the other day. She loved that one. Yeah. They should have called him, what did she say? Lotion Face. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want to check some of those out, the first two or three seasons are real good. Uh, I would recommend one called His Silicon Soul. That's probably my favorite one of the show. Also, uh, the Grey Ghost one is an excellent episode. Uh, it might just get your ghost. Hmm. Why? Well, I'm actually like really, uh, like ex- it. It just excites me that my daughter is watching Spider Man. Yeah, man. The and, '90s and one. En- I didn't ask. And enjoying it. I don't even know which one. Does it, it have is. the Spider Man theme song? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, the '90s one. Yeah, and I'm like, she's watching it, and like, she's like into it, and. I'm like, why? And then my my wife is like, because I was like, why is she on the Spider-Man kick? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I didn't even introduce her, her to it. She just wanted to watch Spider-Man. Like, she saw it on Disney Plus or something, and she wanted to watch it. And she's like, well, you know, she's going to school, and, like, you know, her friend Harry and her friend Joe, and they're always talking about, you know, Spider-Man and batman and she doesn't know anything so she sees it and she's like oh i want to know about that so she's like watching it i'm like holy crap like that's that's crazy yeah your kid's old enough to be influenced by her peers yeah and like in the same way i was yeah isn't that like, crazy like, i'm like i need to you know it's like it's like whoa, whoa what are you listening to what is it what is it now that's so great oh i need to look up that band and then, like, I get into it, too. I'm like, yeah, I do like this. I'm like, holy crap. Like, she's doing that thing where she becomes part of a group so that, like, when she gets older, she can, like, separate from that group and become an individual. Yeah. You know, like, what? but that that separating from the group can't actually happen unless you become a part of a group first. You know? It's exciting, like she's, man. She's, she's hit developing a new, just, a new just phase. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. But I was like, I mean, Spider-Man, I was like, Spider-Man's fine, but you got to watch some Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Don't start her with his Silicon Soul. It might be too creepy, but uh, the Grey Ghost one's real good. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
But, you know, any of, I mean, it's just, it's a good show. The Two-Face, they do a two-parter to introduce Harvey Dent transforming into Two-Face. That's a real good one. Yeah. There's one with Joker fish that's super creepy. I noticed when I set, because uh, I I never had HBO Max before. So I got HBO Max. And I made a kid's profile so that she could watch Batman and stuff. And you know how, like, you set the parental controls? Yeah. So I set the parental controls, and then I go into HBO, and I look up Batman, and I'm like, the shit that I was watching is not on here. Yeah, no, they're targeted to adults, a lot of them. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, I don't I don't know what else is in, like, that animated series. I know that there was content in year one that definitely is adult. No, year one's like, like a hard PG-13, but the yeah. animated series was legit for kids. So it, it should I, be safe. I know, but I'm like, but it's not there. When I set my parental controls. Oh, like, as, so even the animated series doesn't get into the kids' profile where because it's like well, a Y seven or the, something. The way I set it, yeah. But so, but so I have to go in there and like figure out what it's rated so that I can get it so that she can watch it. But then again, I'm like, maybe I should watch all of them before I show her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, what's in it if it's not ra- if it's rated certain thing? So anyway, I gotta like figure that out, but. I really, I really want uh, Eva to get into Batman. I think it'll be worth it. You know, started with that yeah. '60s movie that's really, really good and silly, with the uh, the shark repellent, shark repellent bat spray. Yeah, yeah, man. Or that old TV show, if you can find. I don't know what network that's streaming on, but they're all pretty kid friendly. There's plenty of like innuendo jokes that the kids would never get because they're too right. subtle. Right. But it's still entertaining as long as you realize it's going to be silly. Actually, uh, we, Eva, me and we all watch uh, movies on Fridays. Like we watch a kid's movie with Eva, right? And we realized when I suggested, I think it was Stuart Little, that like Eva was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, why? And, and we realized that she's never watched a movie with real people in it. Oh, that's funny. It's like, it's always Pixar or like cartoon or something. Whereas like Stuart Little, like it has like actual actors, real people. And so she ended up watching it and she liked it. And this week we watched um, 101 Dalmatians, the the remake with, uh, who's the, who is it? Hugh Laurie. Oh, yeah, House. House. Yeah, yeah, it's Hugh Laurie, yeah. He was also in Stuart Little. He's in the Spider-Man but, um, movies, no, isn't he? No, who played Cruella DeVille? What the hell's her name? Oh, Glenn Close. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, we watched another movie with real people in it with Eva, and she liked it, so. Well, then she's ready for Batman 66. Batman 66. There you go. I don't know. Too much real people in that one. I don't know. Once maybe like, not. Catwoman shows up, she'll be like, ah, oh, Catwoman. I don't know if she knows who that is yet, so maybe not. No, that's what I'm saying. She needs to watch some cartoons. Yeah.